0: There are two readings from St. Luke's Gospel. The first one is Luke chapter four, verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The second reading is Luke chapter 20, verses 9 to 19. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, "'What shall I do? "'I will send my son, whom I love. "'Perhaps they will respect him.'" But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, What is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Let's pray. Lord, I
1: do ask for your work. The work of your Holy Spirit in me and in all of us, that together in these moments we will draw closer to you and have greater clarity about who you are. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> we are in a, I'm going to call it a mini series it's five long there's nothing mini about this series i have to say the bible's big picture <laughs> and uh last week um david uh bravely took on that which i had given him uh which was uh, to speak on israel and and he he did that and today i've got um i've, I've got a smaller number of um bible passages Sort of the New Testament is a wee bit shorter when we're thinking about Jesus, but mind you, many, many passages point to him. The whole of the whole of the book points to him. We're going to think about Jesus, but needless to say, I will not say everything that needs to be said about him. That's what I'm here for. We're here for as a church for years and years (laughs) to explore the significance of Jesus and for people to find new life in him. I'm going to begin by telling you uh, something which happened more than 30 years ago. I was an undergraduate at St John's College in Durham, and uh, there were lots of uh, Christians in the uh, in in the college it was a church of england college I, I there were lots of christians not not everyone was a christian but there, there were more than you'd sort of guess from you know uh a, a normal college and i got chatting with this uh, uh other undergraduate a second year i was a first year i got chatting with a second year and uh after um After the meal, a few of us went back uh, to her room and, and continued our conversations. And we started talking about Jesus. And we were exploring. And I can remember speaking about that moment which will come when we see Jesus face to face and I can remember talking about what a transforming incredible moment that will be to see Jesus face to face and the person I was chatting to just thought it it was not going to be as I imagined it that it was not going to be that transformative experience. And I just thought, really? And I looked around the room and I saw on the bookshelf something which made me think, huh, maybe this is why you're not drinking coffee when I am. (laughs) But also... Why you don't have the same view of Jesus that I have when I saw the Book of Mormon sitting on her shelves. We shared lots in common. <laughs> but at that central point, who is Jesus? I knew. It had sort of come out in the conversation. I just thought she had this shrunken view. Of who Jesus is hey much bigger than most people in the culture <laughs> but shrunken <laughs> from a Christian point of view and actually when we deal with anyone really and wanting to understand what they believe absolutely key question is the question which Jesus asked regularly? Well, oh, sorry, he didn't ask regularly. Lots of people asked it, who is this man? But he also asked, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Is there a more important question? Is there a more important question? I do not think so. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? It is vital. It is central. And sometimes in conversations with people, we suddenly discover they haven't grasped who Jesus is. I thought they had. I thought they had. But they haven't. It is at the centre. Who is Jesus? And I'm going to look briefly at these two passages in Luke, or just refer to them as we uh, look at who Jesus is. In Luke chapter 4, we've got Jesus speaking in his hometown synagogue. And he reads Scripture. Last week, David uh, was telling us all about the Old Testament and how how it, it, it points to Jesus and how it lays the foundation for that which is to come. And Jesus picks up the scroll from Isaiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, and opens it, and he just reads. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolls it up. And he says, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing what's he saying he is saying those wonderful words of scripture those wonderful promises of God that wonderful truth about the blind seeing the oppressed going free that is true in me which as sermons go is quite a biggie And so he describes himself as the fulfillment of that passage of Scripture. And as you look elsewhere in the Gospels, elsewhere in the New Testament, outside of the Gospels too, you will find again and again and again and again Jesus as the fulfillment of what the Old Testament has been speaking about. He is the Messiah, God's anointed one, the the king in David's line who people have been waiting for. He is that. You also find he is the new temple, the place of God's meeting with people, the place of God's presence, the new temple. In many ways, he's also the new Israel. He kind of encapsulates the whole history of the nation in himself. Even going down to Egypt in time of trouble and coming back. Lots of things just pointing to the fact that he is actually the fulfilment of everything that Israel was pointing to. A prophet like moses who was promised now actually jewish people reading the their scriptures the scriptures of the time their bible they might have been looking at these promises some of them might have said and i think some of them did say that these are kind of going to be fulfilled in one person and some of them might have said in fact they did say the messiah is not necessarily going to be the same as the prophet promised to be one like Moses. He's not necessarily going to be the same person as the servant of the Lord promised in the later chapters of Isaiah. But Jesus comes along and says, all these threads, all these promises, all these meet in me. Put a picture of an hourglass up there. And it's as though the top part of the hourglass, everything is being funneled, which has come before and is meeting and flowing through the person of Jesus. He is the pinch point of history. He's the pinch point of God's purpose. Everything flows through him. So there is continuity between the Old Testament and the New. There is. There's this great flow. And David last week was pointing to that. There is continuity. But there's there's also a discontinuity or at least a crisis point might be better than discontinuity. There is a crisis point in Jesus because it's all flowing through him, and therefore, at that point, what you make of him is vital, because everything is flowing through him. A bit like trying to get out of Upper Campbell on this kind of one road. You know, you're never going to get out unless if that's blocked, you're done. You know. <laughs> but but, but it's the it's the pinch point. flows through him and so there is continuity the whole of what has gone before comes and flows through Jesus and he is this fulfillment and he is in the business of bringing good news to the poor sight to the blind freedom to the prisoner And we come to this second passage, again in Luke's Gospel. Part of the same story of Jesus. This rather uncomfortable parable. This rather uncomfortable parable. The parable of the tenants. Where Jesus tells the story of a vineyard owner. And where the tenants of that vineyard will not honour and pay the owner his dues. Now he sends messengers who are abused and eventually sends his son who is killed. And at the end of that passage, you've got the religious leaders of Israel of that time feeling distinctly uncomfortable because they knew that he was speaking about them. Because what we make of Jesus matters. And actually, if we reject Jesus, then suddenly we're rejecting the whole thing. You can't really have the hourglass of God's purposes while rejecting the place, the person through whom it all flows. It says the son is killed as he goes to the vineyard it is a parable the vineyard is is quite often in the old testament an image of israel so going to israel and, and facing rejection not by all let's be quite clear about this not by all but actually by most the early christians were jews The early Christians were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. There were Jewish people who accepted and recognised him for who he was. Some falteringly, some on that journey of discovery, but but accepting. And others who did not. And that makes all the difference. The Old Testament itself had pointed to what's sometimes called a remnant, a, a few A few from the whole nation who would kind of be true and recognise and remain in right relationship with God while the rest kind of got it wrong. Well, when we come to the cross, that central symbol of the Christian faith, that central act of Jesus, that he came to die... here we see it from a different angle we see it from the angle of human rebellion because we can quite rightly say jesus was crucified why because god planned it and this was his purpose but we can also say why was jesus crucified because of human rebellion and rejection of who he was now, those two statements, it's quite difficult handling them. You know, I can remember, actually, when Silas was very young. I, I just realised I was not going to win the uh, theological argument. I might have been a minister. He might have been a preschooler. But <laughs> he just said, I don't think the people who crucified Jesus did wrong. I thought, we're in heavy territory here <laughs> i came out thinking he hasn't changed my opinion but i can't actually you know kind of because he basically waited for me to say yes god purpose for jesus to die and then he said ha, ha, ha. i thought no. it is difficult getting these truths together but it, but it is true because the fact is at the cross What we find is we find at the cross human rebellion at maybe its worst. What what could be worse than rejecting God incarnate? What what could be worse? What could be a greater rebellion against God? So, So kind of humanity at its worst. And yes, we also see God's judgment there. God's judgment on sin, we see at the cross. Jesus dies, he bears it for us, but we see also. It's the meeting place of human rebellion. Yes, God's judgment, but also, thank God, grace. It is the greatest place at which we see the generosity of God. The free gift of God. That however bad human beings get, as it were, he goes to that point and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We find forgiveness even at that point. You know, If that can be forgiven, everything can be forgiven. And that's the truth. Everything can be forgiven. How? In Jesus, the pinch point to whom it all flows. To whom it all flows. There is forgiveness. The most wonderful, beautiful, glorious, liberating forgiveness in Jesus. Good news to the poor. Sight for the blind. We've got good news. And beyond the pinch point we'll look at this more next week as we come to the fifth we've done creation the fall, Israel Jesus next week the church that might sound a desperate disappointment at the end of all this <laughs> if you look around you don't <laughs> but the but a sense in which you're just thinking, Oh, really? Is that where we'll come to this next week? But actually, from Jesus, it then opens out. It opens out. In that parable, Jesus says that the vineyard is taken from those who would not honor the owner, it was taken from those who would not honor God and given to others. And and on the other side of this pinch point, we find that it opens up. The good news opens up to include faithful Jewish people. But also, most if not all of us, people who are not Jewish. People from kind of every nation, tribe, people and language. And it opens up and the gospel opens up beyond that pinch point. So the whole of the Old Testament and all that goes before flows through Jesus and then opens out from Jesus into the world. Israel's rights... responsibilities the promises the privileges and the mission of being the people of God (laughs) passes on the church as we will look see all human history flows into and from this point all human history flows into and from Jesus And you see, my Mormon friend just didn't get it. She just didn't get it. She knew he was important. She just didn't know how important. She just didn't know how important. Jesus asked the question. Listen to his voice. Who do you say that I am? Listen now. Listen, each of you. Listen to the voice of Jesus asking you, who do you say that I am? Because it is the most important question you will ever be posed and it is the most important question that you will ever need to answer. Who do you say that I am? let's pray oh Lord Lord God I want to say thank you for Jesus thank you for Jesus our wonderful Lord and open our eyes that we might see him ever more clearly (coughs) the son of the father our Lord and our God Amen.